welcome to The Motivated Mind, where I challenge you to expand your perspective on how to achieve a successful life through motivational lessons, reflections, and interviews with other motivated minds. What is up? Welcome to episode 246. Thanks so much for listening. It means so much to me. If I brought you any value, please be sure to leave a review and hit that subscribe or follow button. Don't be a stranger. Shoot me a DM on Instagram or Facebook. Let me know what you want to hear more of. And please be sure to share the podcast. I'm truly grateful for your support. Thank you. You can learn all the skills in the world, math, business, writing, but the right mindset will always trump them all. It's the great unlock to all other skills. Success and happiness come down to one single component, and that's mindset. In order to achieve our goals in life, our mindset needs to match those aspirations. And this is exactly what I pack into my free weekly newsletter. As a free subscriber, you receive the Mastering Your Mindset newsletter once per week, where I break down step-by-step processes to master your mindset and practical growth tips. If you haven't subscribed, but you enjoy the content I drop on this podcast, then you're missing out. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe for free to the Mastering Your Mindset newsletter. Today we have another special guest that joins the pod, Sevron Banus. He works in private equity and specializes in operational improvement at fast-growing companies. As a business strategist, executive coach, and builder by nature, he has spent the past 15-plus years blending behavioral psychology, organizational design, and process improvement at companies across North in South America. As part of his passion for growth and improvement, Severon started the educational platform Stepwise, which aims to make financial knowledge more accessible to everyone. Stepwise offers actionable step-by-step advice on how to save, invest, and build wealth. The advice is based on his own experience of going from $30,000 in student loan debt at the age of 22 to $100,000 saved and invested by 27. Severon and I discuss the psychology of money, developing a mindset that leads to saving, investing, and building wealth, how to understand our financial motivators and how our values and personal goals influence them, strategies and processes for our financial life, and lastly, how Stepwise came to be and how Severon is trying to fill an important gap in our educational system. Be sure to stick around until the end of this episode because we give listeners an opportunity to download a free workbook for those of you that want to create your own financial goals and a free six-step guide on how to save, invest, and build wealth, which includes a free Excel tracker for your net worth. I hope you all enjoy our conversation. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone 
or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like it's allowed me to be more creative because I've been able to simplify the admin aspect of my podcast and focus on developing more valuable and creative content. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. The first place that I, I really, really want to start is, you know, my parents were never taught financial literacy. Their parents were never taught finances and so on and so forth. So it's been this thing that's kind of a domino effect that's happened for hundreds of years, I, I feel like, just financial literacy lacking, at least in the education system here in the United States. And I'd love to understand from your perspective because I think this is a, a controversial topic for some people, right? That financial literacy isn't taught. How come the 1% become you know, more and more wealthy? Why does this gap increase more and more every single year? Why is financial literacy something that's so core fundamental to our survival and retirement and part of our success, a big part of our success? Why is this something that just doesn't exist in our education system? It's a, it's a great question. And uh, I don't know that I'm the, the perfect expert on this topic, but having spent a lot of time around it, I'm happy to share a couple of the reasons that I think it isn't taught. So one, just kind of starting with the basic, I don't think it's taught because money is something that has been characterized in that taboo sphere in American and frankly, in most cultures in the world. You know, it's international in nature. Sex, emotions, your deep psychology, your fears, money, like they all fit in this category of the kind of the taboo, the things that you are either through cues in movies and pop culture, through your own parents and upbringing. You know, many people probably can remember a conversation where they asked someone a question when they were a kid about money and their parents kind of pulled them aside and said, hey, you know, that's, that's not an appropriate dinnertime conversation. That's not something you should just ask someone. So there's all these different ways that it's kind of been ingrained and taught as a social norm. So I think that's one. Two, you know, money, taxes, these topics, they are highly personal, right? They are things that each person's goals, each person's situation, how much they have, how much they don't have, how you feel about it are very personal. And there is just a, you know, a broader challenge when you think of our education system. It is about educating the masses. You have to create something that works fairly well for almost everyone. And because money is so personalized, I do think it is just fundamentally challenging to give really good financial education in a broad mass delivery type of format. So that's the one I probably understand most and is maybe least controversial. Some of the other ones, you know, downright get me passionate and a little bit frustrated, right? I do think that there's absolutely an element of socioeconomic hierarchy and class structures involved here, right? They're having access to money, knowing how to use money, knowing where money is powerful and where it is dangerous. Good credit. You know, is it is our credit cards a powerful tool or a, or a dangerous thing, right? Good debt versus bad debt. There's lots of concepts here, right? Around how debt and money are used to 
you know, create influence and power in the world and opportunity, but also can trap you if you don't know the rules and all the stipulations of them that frankly, I think are not passed on in a very intentional or explicit way in some cases, because they enable certain people to have higher access to power and money than others. And so that's, that's definitely part of it. I also think there's a huge just psychological component to it, right? Uh, money brings up a lot of stories. Everyone has a story with money, whether they're good with it, whether they're bad with it, whether, you know, their grandparents had it and their parents, you know, have forever kind of held a chip on their shoulder because they've been struggling to make ends meet to finally buy a home because somebody's, you know, parent was a gambler and lost it all away. Like there's, there's so much intertwined with it that it's almost like too hot to touch in, in many regards. So. You know, th those are some of the, the reasons and, and ways in which I see money kind of playing this role and why I'm really passionate about, frankly, just bringing it to the forefront, right? Like for whatever reason, uh, I think part of it is just my own upbringing where my dad passed at a young age. And so where I felt everyone else was getting an education or knowledge around money and finances from their parents, I felt I was lacking at least half of that equation. Um, and although that may or may not have ultimately been true as I've grown up, it really motivated me to be curious in this realm. You know, it's it's fascinating because I was just having a conversation with someone the other day of when you're a kid, you look at your parents like they know everything, right? And th there's like a certain age, of course, you start to to realize, oh my gosh, this thing about life, like we're just figuring it out every single day and trying different things until we hit things that work. And then we keep doing that thing and adjust this kind of agile uh, testing, if you will. And I remember back in 2008 when the economy just crashed, my father had a construction company and lost everything, you know, like repossession. We, you know, they sold their house and, and lost a ton of money on it just to, to make ends meet. And I saw this, this massive transformation with them on extreme safety, very, very low tolerance for risk after that. To the point where I remember when you do back in the day when you'd go into Verizon Wireless and you would actually buy a phone in person and you could test all these phones and flip phones and smartphones were just coming out, if you will. I still have my iPhone 4 over here on display, not in use. And I remember my dad pestering me and being like, do you really need a smartphone? Is that the best way to spend your money? And I remember as we were driving home thinking, you know, it's really interesting how much has shifted and changed in his mindset and perspective of where his dollars are going and what the ROI of those dollars look like. And ever since to this day, since 2008, they are super risk adverse. Like their tolerance for risk is extremely low. And it wasn't until I probably got into my, I don't know, I'd say early to mid twenties that I asked myself, you know, that may work for them and fit for them, especially the trauma that they've been through. But is that really what's applicable and fits my lifestyle and my needs? And so, you know, back to your point about culture and just society and these like taboo topics. After that, in 2008, they really didn't have a lot of conversations around finance. And, and when I remember starting my first business. They gave me a huge talk about be very careful. And it was all this like preparing for the downside rather than trying to be thoughtful about building for, for the upside, right? And I see this happen so much where it's just passed down gener generation from generation, whatever the trauma that, they, that your parents went through, of course, and this goes for anything, not just finances, of course, but this is being passed along to as well. Yeah, they were, they were passing down their, their story on money to you, whether they even consciously knew they were doing it or not.
Exactly right. Yeah. And, and and none of this was certainly malicious on their end. That was just what they went through. And being good parents, they wanted to protect both my brother and I from going through that that horrible experience. And how how do we break out of that as a as a society or as individuals? Like, how do we become elevated in our lives where we really analyze the psychology of money and develop a mindset that really is centered around the fundamentals of finances for us and our needs moving forward into kind of like adulthood? That's a, it's a great question. So I have to re- reference one of my favorite books of all time here, The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. Uh, this is my single most gifted book, I think, in the space of personal development, mindset, and growth to friends, family, colleagues, et cetera. Um, it's a book that actually I, I have to give a big shout out to my mother. My mother recommended to me years ago, uh, about a decade ago. And it really tees up this fact that we all have a story around money, whether it's positive, negative, where we have too much, too little, and otherwise, and just helping recognize and reframe that as humans, we make stories to make sense of the world. It is a very natural thing. There's nothing wrong with it. But we create stories around money because it is such a central piece of our society and something you have to use to navigate, to get food, to exchange, right? And it's a really, really good way of taking a step back through reading this book and reframing and saying, what are my stories around money? Are they serving me? And do I want to keep using them going forward? And you can choose to keep them. Some of them are great, right? Like I realize that I have a story around money that it's a game and it's a thing to be figured out and I'm good at games and I like board games and strategy. And so I'm going to go out and figure it out. In some ways that story has really served me. So I've held on to that, but I also had stories around money like everyone had more, I don't know how to navigate this world. I won't be able to, right? There's a lot of imposter syndrome for me for many, many years. Um, and that was a story that I was able to take a look at and you know, start to reframe or recognize that it's a story when that, you know, that voice in my head pops up. That I think is, is key there because in today's world, it's so easy to, you know, 60 years ago or what, the internet's 34 years old or something like that. It's very, very young. But- you know, 40 years ago, the ability for someone to compare themselves with someone else's life and what they're doing in their success or their level of happiness is completely different. I'm sure it happened, but it's on a completely different scale nowadays. And I find that to be so true, especially with, I wouldn't just say younger individuals. This is kind of hits everybody, but you know, flashy cars, flashy watches, flashy clothes, and they all being broadcasted over social media. And it's all on the internet. And like, you can see it it, in such a different way. And in fact, like, as much as Instagram and Facebook and a lot of social media platforms are great, one of the biggest challenges in my mind is all you see is the highlight snippets of people's life. I have a few friends and colleagues who intentionally post their low moments. And although it's sometimes hard to see and, and feels almost like an overshare, Right. It's a it's a really good regrounding that, you know, the highlights you see on my Instagram are all my favorite and best moments in some ways, flashy moments. It's not the whole picture and it's nobody's whole picture. Right. A majority, 99 percent of human beings are not like, oh, I'm in this really dark place, a really tough place right now. And I'm going to capture this and then tell the world you're as it is. You're just trying to fight through the emotions or whatever you're experiencing in order to just survive through that moment or take in that moment, however you kind of process it. But yeah, there, there's there's perpetuating thing of, of, of misnomers around money and how we utilize our money and people like flashing really nice cars that are actually draining their money instead of assets that are actually producing them money. And it's 
just this layer and layer and layer. And I, I'm really curious because you had said your mom gifted you that book and that's what started for you. Were your parents really into finances and kind of planting those seeds at a young age for you? Or was this something that your mom was like, you know what, this is probably good. He could kind of figure it out. I'll plant the seeds and see how these things blossom out in the field. Yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenal question. So in some ways I got lucky through tough circumstance. So as I mentioned, my dad passed at a young age. I haven't realized until later on in life and talking with my mom about it, my dad was actually not great with finances. Nothing, you know, nothing terrible. He wasn't draining our bank account. He wasn't dishonest about it, but he was a, an entrepreneur and a small business owner and was starting a business with a friend of his from college and times were tough, right? They needed a lot of money to start this business, you know, doing, you know, real estate development, architecture and design and things. And so um, by no means was he a flying example. In many ways, it might have even been good that I didn't grow up and see in later years and witness when I was old enough and those things. So really, I had a single mother raising my brother and I. My mother had chose a career and life path of, you know, yoga and massage and chiropractic and, you know, in wonderful ways, being very focused on body and mental and other health, thus the gift of this book. So there's a lot of good there, but there was not a lot of extra money to go around. It was a very middle class, you know, comfortable, but, you know, nothing special financially and nothing outsized. Like we didn't take big vacations. We went camping, et cetera. And so really what it came down to is I had to do a lot of chores around the house. At a certain point, I was like, well, all my other friends are getting a $20 allowance just because, like, why do I have to clean toilets? Why do I have to vacuum the kitchen? Why do I have to go shovel snow in the winter, right? New England, things like that. And so I got some really good habits by being basically forced to need to work and help out. That wasn't an option. And I got a very small allowance at the time. And then I was like, all right, I got $5 for two weeks. You know, what am I going to do with it? I want to buy some candy. I'm like, oh, maybe I want like a pet gecko, Right. And my mom was very clear. It's like, well, you've got to save up your money if you want these things. And I did the basic math. Like, well, I got to save for six months if I want a video game system. But, you know, I could go buy some jelly beans now. Right. And so that that was really my process of getting some of the first good basic financial habits. And, you know, that trickled all the way up through in high school. I wanted to be able to have a car to visit friends and people were having cars. And my mom was very real and sat me down and said, hey, I, I can't buy you a car. We're, that's not the situation we're in. You know, I, I can help with a little bit of gas money. Um, I'll split the insurance cost with you, but like you got to go out and get a job. So I got a job as a landscaper. And so in some ways I got taught the habits of having to use my own efforts or skills or find ways to use my own value in the world to earn money to achieve the things I wanted uh, at a very young age. And that was a really healthy, powerful, good habit that was taught for my parents or my mom specifically. Yeah, that that was, you know, re reflecting here, that was the the flip side of, of my parents with going through that trauma in 2008 that we all experienced. You know, I, I went to Hollis. It's a small, small town in New Hampshire, very wealthy families that live there. And if you go to the high school and you go to the children's parking lot, BMW, Audi, Mercedes, like the cars are substantially nicer than, than the teachers. You know, they have like a Honda or Toyota, nothing wrong with those, but you can definitely tell the imbalance. And that was a huge struggle for me because my parents, when I was young, my parents were like, no, you've got to work for these things. We're not just going to give you a car, give you these things. If you really want them and you see the value in them, you're going to have to work for it. 
And my parents are extremely hard workers still to this day. And I got my first job when I was 14. I didn't have normal summers like a normal kid would have. I was always doing something, either selling things on Craigslist, working landscaping, working construction, just doing something so I could afford the things that I wanted in life. And that was a really amazing lesson that I was taught at a very young age, working for the things that you you want and being passionate about those things that you do engage in. And so it sounds like the two of us have had, you know, let, let's call it a spade a spade, the privilege to grow up in an environment that instilled some of these values or planted some of these seeds to blossom and teach us the lessons that we now carry with us today and we can push out into society. For those that that don't have that privilege, Aside from what you covered earlier and taking a step back and saying, do these stories serve me, right? What are some other things that we can do? Because the access to information nowadays is changing substantially. Like I have seen that college acquisitions, like colleges acquiring other colleges has gone up drastically. The education system is starting to shift where there's so many courses you could sit on YouTube if you're watching the right things and basically walk away with an education or at least enough to get started. So aside from some of these pieces of of questioning these stories, questioning just kind of our, our childhood and what's kind of bled into our life, what we've experienced, how do we take a step back and say, okay, well, I might not have parents or I might be, you know, uh, an orphan, what, whatever, how do we really educate ourselves around finances? And what are some of those core pillars that you would suggest that we really focus on some of the fundamentals? This is obvious because of the podcast we're talking about. You have to have the motivation, right? So don't say, I got to go learn everything on investing and saving and bank accounts, except like start with the thing that you're motivated around. Maybe it's you got a late bill on your credit card. Maybe it's you would like to get a new car because your car is really old and you need to figure out how might I you know, go about saving or how can I get the best you know, car loans. Like pick the thing that's real to you now because where there's motivation and when there's urgency is where we'll create sustained action. So that aside, right, uh, I guess I'll just start. I'll list a number of the resources that have been amazing for me and I'm going to focus on things that are free. Because typically, if you're trying to learn finances, you don't have a bunch of money to spend to learn them, which is a bit of the catch-22. So one random thing, uh, and I maybe spent too much time on this, Facebook has a personal finance and investing group, free to join, people sharing their personal stories. Sometimes it's essays and it's a little too much and maybe it's an overshare. Sometimes it's, hey, I've got X situation. I just received a check for $1,000 from my grandparents. What's the smartest thing I can do with it, right? Crowdsource a bunch of feedback and answers around that. That's a great way. Um, There's lots of good online free educational resources. This is what I did once I had the motivation. I've read 20 books on the topic. I've consumed, you know, hundreds of thousands of hours across different blogs. So I started with Mr. Money Mustache. He's one of the OG people in the space um, who is really a mix of philosophy, frugal living, education on savings and investing habits. Uh, There's you know, my own version of the website, you know, I'll, I'll mention it now and we'll come back to it, but stepwisewealth.com. I've been building this as a free educational resource. That's really more step-by-step. There's lots of things. If you Google, you know, how to start a budget, which credit card should I get? How do I think about debt and Google? you get a lot of, here's seven reasons you should have a budget. Here's ways to do a budget. They aren't always as tactical and tangible about here's the step-by-step process. Here's specifically what you can do with like a user guide type of thing. So that's what I've been trying to create. Ramit Sethi, I Will Teach You to Be Rich, is a phenomenal resource. I've read a number of his books. 
Other things that have been really, really helpful, um, Millionaire Next Door is a classic book in this space. Whether you like audiobooks or want to read, there's lots of ways to consume these. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, he has an entire company and sphere on this. Now, I may not subscribe to his uh, you know, political beliefs in some of those elements, but his core content and his narrative story around growing up with two dads, his actual dad and his best friend's dad, very, very powerful. And can get you to start to think differently around you know, the ways and things you've been taught around how to work, savings, money, things like that. All of that are great resources. Uh, taking a step back, I think one of the main things to really do if you just want to get started here is also have the courage to talk to family and friends, others. Everybody knows somebody who, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, they feel right is doing better than them or knows more than them. Having the courage to just have a trusted friend, advisor, aunt, uncle, somebody, someone in your school system and say, hey, you know, I'm really curious about this. What do, what do you know about this? How do you approach this? Right. The, the courage to have that conversation is how I've learned most of what I've learned and how I've had a sounding board for my specific situation. I haven't paid some fancy financial advisor. Frankly, often I don't really trust bankers. I don't go to Bank of America. I don't go to Wells Fargo and ask like I've learned very quickly that, you know, if you're really serious about learning about your own situation, what's going on, Instagram can be great. You know, I find out personal finance club, the Fi couple, there's lots of, you know, short, quick videos you can get on how to think about savings and, and money and things there too. Yeah, there, there's so many resources. You got NerdWallet, you got SoFi, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, phenomenal book, but, but, by the way, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, love, 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 love that book. One for me was The Psychology of Money too. That really makes you take a step back and and really think about why human beings do certain things and how just kind of reactive we are as a as a species and and that was very interesting to kind of dive into that and really pause shut the pages and be like holy crap i never thought about it from that angle from that perspective okay so we've got all of these resources and you know i i love this piece that you covered at the beginning there which was what's a pain point up front that you're that you're dealing with currently like find the motivator first and then you'll be probably more apt to figure out a solution instead of looking at it broadly and being like, oh my God, I've got to eat this whole elephant, like do it, you know, one bite at a time. What are some applicable pieces or things, practical pieces that we can start doing? So it's stepwise, you know, which I love, you have this free resource for people, free website. You've got all this content on the website too, as well. Where are some of the starting points for people aside from going into, you know, some of the Facebook, you got LinkedIn learning too, as well, which I've heard that has really grown. I think over the, I think that's newer LinkedIn learning. I could, could be wrong, but it seems to be growing. What are some of the practical pieces too, as well, putting some things into action? So, okay, I find my pain point. I'm kind of bursting out of this phase one, if you will, what are some practical step-by-steps that people could apply? too as well. I know the audience loves, loves that stuff. Yep. Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. So I'm going to answer it in two parts. So the first to answer your question directly is, you know, there are truly in my mind, six basic steps anyone can take once they have the motivation that are really helpful. And so I'll kind of highlight that, right? The first is you need to just understand your current situation, right? Are you in debt? Do you have a little bit of cash, but you don't know what to do with it? It's not invested. Are you very early in your career and just starting to save and you just want to make sure 
you aren't overwhelmed by the process? Are you auto depositing your paycheck into your bank account? Are you auto paying your credit card bills? Is there just a way to take some of the emotional strain off of the end of every month where you feel like there's six or seven things you got to remember to do and heaven forbid you forget and you get charged a late fee, right? So understanding where you are, your current picture is the first step. Second is you really need to just have some basic kind of things in place. Do you have a bank account set up that doesn't charge you fees? Do you ideally have a bank account that enables you to put your ATM, you know, your debit card into any ATM and won't charge you a fee on taking out some cash if you're on a trip or you're visiting family, et cetera. All these things exist for free, but most people don't even realize it. So they're using the same bank account for 20 years at Bank of America, or whatever they've been using just because their parents set it up for them. And they're getting fees charged because they don't carry a certain balance. There's all these like kind of fine print things that really I, I hate, but there's lots of ways to avoid that. So, you know, where are you? Do you have the basic things set up? Understanding, do you have credit card debt or not? Do you have a car loan? Like what types of debt? Some debt, like educational student debt, I wouldn't call bad debt. Debt mortgage on a house where you're saving and creating a home. That's not bad debt. High interest credit card debt is bad debt, something you want to pay off quickly. You can't find an investment that's going to return 30% year over year, but you're paying 30% interest on that credit card debt, right? So there's some of those things. Then there's you know the basics of, do you have a high yield online emergency savings account, right? These are banks that just have an online account that pay you to keep your money with them. You're going to need that emergency rainy fund, you know, cash. Don't put it under your mattress. Make sure you're putting $50, $25, some small amount every month and saving up three to six months of living expenses, right? Whether it's for a future investment opportunity or something goes wrong and your car breaks, or you have a medical bill, like that buffer is what keeps you from going into credit card or other bad debt in the future. So building that buffer, everyone should have that. And, and can I, can, okay, can I pause you? Cause I want, I, I assume there will be some clarification questions from people yeah. clarifying questions, right? Is the automation piece with each month, right? And you said that earlier, right? Automating those things. That's perfect for the savings aspect too, as well. What's that runway because I, I think there's this toss up in, you know, six months, a year, two years. I mean, there's all these different numbers. Is there a way that you said, well, it's not really one size fits all. This is how I would look at it when we think about that, that safety net. Yeah, that's a great question. So it is not one size fits all. The typical rule of thumb or guidance in the personal finance space is somewhere between three to six months of savings. That would mean whatever you need to spend every month to pay your bills, to put food on the table, the basics, maybe a little bit of fun money. That amount times three or six months is the buffer. If you have a very stable job that you've had for many years, if you are in a relationship with a partner who also has a job, so heaven forbid one of you lose your job, someone else could help you make ends meet. Frankly, if you're fortunate enough to have a family that if things got really bad, might be able to help you out. All those types of things. You, could, you don't have kids. You don't have a dog. You don't have major medical expenses regularly, Right. You don't have a lot of debt like car loans or mortgage, things you have to pay. Otherwise, heaven forbid, you might lose really critical things that you've been working towards. You can err on the, on the three-month side easily, or maybe even a little bit less. This is a little bit about your own personal risk tolerance. It's all you need to do is be in line with yourself, right? On the flip side, you got two kids, you got a mortgage, your parents aren't alive or around or can't help out. You don't have any other buffer. You don't have any money in retirement account you could touch if you had to. Six or maybe 12 months. You know, I know people who carry 12. This is really about being aware with all of this of your own personal, emotional and psychological state. Are you a risk averse person or a risk taker and choosing something that's in line with yourself? So you can go anywhere from down to like one month 
to 12 months plus, no, nothing is a wrong choice. It's, it's all about kind of think, looking at your personal situation. And this goes back a little bit to the motivator question, right? I spoke a little bit about what is your pain point? What are, you know, in some ways like fear or trigger-based motivators. Those are very acute and work well for a short period of time. Those are not the best personal finance motivators because guess what? If you get afraid or anxious every time you look at a budget or think about your money and finances, you're going to avoid it. I would too. Like nobody wants that, right? So really on a deeper level, part of this whole journey is understanding what is it that you desire in the world in a positive sense? What are you excited about? And how do you tie that into your motivation to engage and learn about finances and use this wealth of free resources and things that are now available to us in this information age, right? So for me, one of them was, okay, I want a house. Cool. Everyone says they want a house or a car. That's just a, you know, it's a superficial thing. It doesn't really bring happiness or otherwise. But why did I want a house? I love my friends and my network. I like many members of my family, maybe not all, right? But I wanted a space that I could bring people together and that people could come and visit. A, at least a room, I could put an inflatable bed or have a guest room, right? I know that I'm really motivated to have a family and have children at some point in time. And all of these have financial implications, right? But to have a house in a space where kids could grow up, where they could play in a yard, they could dig holes in the backyard, right? Things that I associated with part of my own learning and growing up in the world, that is deeply personally motivational to me. You know, it, it, it's part of my dream. It's something I care about creating space and sharing space with people I care about in the world. And so for me, a home is something that does that. And that became a big financial goal years ago is how do I be smart and learn enough about money and save money in the right ways and invest money? such that a home can be a reality for me because that's a very fortunate and stretched goal. You know, it is not easy to obtain a home in today's society, right? Things have changed a lot. You can't just graduate from high school, get a decent job and buy a home in five or 10 years, right? And so I'll stop there. But, you know, one of the threads of this and one of the things I've really focused on in some of my recent writing and work about how to set financial goals is how to understand the things you want. Start superficial, like whatever it is, the trip, the, you know, the house, the car, but figure out what behind that really matters to you on a deeper level. What's your why? Those are the things that will keep you coming back month over month, year over year to take positive action in this realm and to learn and educate yourself. Yeah, that's that's spot on. And and this goes for this goes for anything in life. So I was listening to an interview with Rob Deerdick. So, you know, many people remember him from like Fantasy Factory and all of these different things. I think it was Fantasy Factory. And I heard him on a, a recent podcast, semi-recent, maybe it was last year, but anywho, the optimization, his like tagline now is like human optimization. And he read this book, I think it was Start at the End. And he goes, for anything in my life, I just start at the end. And this is what we do for at one of our one of my companies, what we do for product launches. We start at the end. Okay, if this is the the goal of said product, if this is when we want to launch it, what do we need to do from you know October 25th, the launch date from today's date? Right? What, what do we need to do to get us there? I think it's very similar to the why and asking ourselves really five whys too, as well, right? Okay, why do you want a home? Right? Okay, after you give that answer, okay, why is that the answer too, as well? And then working yourself backwards from there. Exactly. It's the same thing with, you know, figuring out an actual problem and not just being very surface level. And I feel as humans, we are very surface level with a lot of our investigating. And it's because 
we're either afraid of the answer or we just don't, we haven't really navigated a question or a problem that way. So it's extremely intimidating. Back to your point around, you know, if you're looking at your financials and it makes you cringe, then the chances that you're ever going to look at it or dive into those things is probably going to be pretty slim to none. So I, I love this idea of, of working backwards and then understanding the why. And this goes for everything even beyond our, our finances. So what else after we move through this that, that you're like, these are, these are kind of the, the last pieces of this frontier, like kind of continuing to push through these layers. Part of it goes a little bit back to, you know, who, who and what are you doing this for, right? Are you doing, are you doing this to, and, and I've, I did the same thing even with just stepwise in general. It's like, okay, well, why am I going to pour my heart and soul and all this knowledge and things I've learned out for free on the internet? Some of it was timing with with COVID and just the fact that I had done a lot of volunteering with different after school programs and kids groups. And that just wasn't realistic at the start of COVID for health and safety reasons from our perspective and our family and ha having a young daughter at home, et cetera. But beyond that, it was, well, what feels good? How do I like coaching? I like helping people. Mentoring These have always big themes. And I have this, well, you want to go even deeper. I want to provide the guidance and support two other young adults, humans, kids in the world that I felt I was lacking growing up because of not having one of the parents in the home, right? Now that starts to get really emotional, but really, really motivating. And so that, yeah, it's all, it's all, frankly, it chokes me up a little bit, but it's all so important. Like that's why I'm sticking with this. That's why I'm doing this. And at the end of the day, when it's tough and I'm hitting a block writing an article or, you know, it's Sunday afternoon and I've worked my normal work week and this is, you know, a side passion project and something I'm starting. Like, how do you find that? So that that's definitely part of it. Taking a totally different other kind of vein with it for a second, keeping things simple. Everything in our world is so complex. Building a detailed Excel budget just sounds insane and like, you know, death by a thousand cuts to you. Like, you don't have to do that. You know, one of the things I've really focused on in this world is what are the very simple things you can do that directionally guide you in the right way? So uh, I have a, a close friend who read and I've talked about all the stuff with for many, many years. And he's like, I have to keep it simple or I won't do it. And I was like, okay, great. And his version of simple getting very tactical in a personal finance is paycheck or money goes in at the end of the month you know, at the start of the month, I should say, into his bank account. He knows a set dollar amount that should be left over, right, for him to do some basic savings and otherwise. The rest is rent, utilities, et cetera, food, cost of living. And he knows that dollar amount that should be there on the 28th of the month. Let's call it $750. He's done that once. And every month, Maybe so there's 600, maybe there's a thousand, but as you know, he knows, is he directionally on track or not? That's all he does, but he's effectively saving 10% of his income and he knows directionally he's in the right place. So a lot of these systems and tools and things are really think about it up front, understand it. So you can put something in place and go forget about it and go live your life, right? Like I'm a huge proponent of work-life balance in general. That applies to this sphere as well. So something to think about is what are the very simple things. And I write a lot about this and there's a lot of good elements like this book that you can put in place, whether it's the automation, you know, take that hundred dollars that gets auto deposited right when you get your paycheck into your savings account each month 
So then you know that's already happened. Anything else that's left, you can spend and not have any guilt around it. And in fact, know that you're on the right track. Like these are long-term, slow, steady things, but there's lots of little things like that that I really try to focus on that help take the mental strain off of things. There's this such a, a correlation here. One of the things I was I'm I'm fascinated about human psychology, like how the human brain just works, how how we look at things, how we think about things. One of the things I've been putting a lot of thought into is why are we not more, and this goes kind of full circle here back to our education system or lack thereof with, with finances. And man, why are people more involved in the political side? Now, when I say involved, I don't mean hopping on Facebook and like, you know, ranting or giving your opinion, thinking you're influencing any sort of change. And I was reading a bunch of, of studies on this and it says, well, think about it this way. And this, I'm driving towards point here, that when most people have a nine to five, most people are exhausted by the time they come home, extremely burnt out. You think the last thing they want to do is then dive into politics or dive into problems or dive into these complex things. It's overwhelming. You don't know where to start. It's, you know, quite frankly, depressing for a lot of people to engage in that when they already just came off of a very difficult day. And this goes into the point that you just shared around automation and making things as easy as possible, quite frankly, because you're most likely tired when you get home, most likely exhausted. If it is intimidating, well, then set up procedures, processes that you can automate these things so you don't have to worry about these things so that it doesn't feel so overwhelming. And for me, one of the things that I did is once I understood my finances, my financial position and where I wanted to go in life, that's the exact thing I did. I automated everything. And well, actually, before I automated, I built money rules. And I know that podcast that you were referring to earlier, that he is huge on setting up some money rules. Then once I got my money rules, then it was just plug and play from an automation standpoint for the most part, right? And because there are some things that aren't plug and play, like I never question spending money on books or mental health. Like those things, it does not, there is no budget for those things, but other things, surely there are. And I think that's a really beautiful way to, to frame that, especially for those that are overwhelmed or want to keep it as simple and less complex as, as possible. So finishing up here, tell us a little bit about Stepwise. You you started to step into talking about uh, Stepwise and and the, the, the purpose and passion that you have behind it, which is so goddamn beautiful. And I love that. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. What are what are you doing over at Stepwise? What's the ultimate goal? And what are you what are you hoping to um, people listening to this podcast? What are some action items, things that they should do following listening to this? Because you've dropped a, a ton of wisdom. Yeah, it's a it's a great question. So, I guess I'll start to our our theme here with the end in mind. So, the Stepwise could go one of two ways in my mind, and I would be equally happy about it. One, I've created basically my life's knowledge and work on personal finance and how to be smart about your money finances that I can pass on to my kids, friends, kids, et cetera. That would be one version of, of great. Another version of great would be if it becomes something on the scale of a nerd wallet or otherwise, like a true institution of knowledge that hundreds of thousands of people around the world can refer to for a trusted source of advice on how to navigate difficult life questions and, and approach it. But at its core, what I think is hopefully different about Stepwise is one, not everybody likes to learn from reading. There's auditory, there's visual, there's all types of learning methods. It's something I'm very familiar with from my work and just you know research into psychology. And so 
I'm trying to create something that is much more visually engaging, lots of good infographics, step-by-steps on each of the things. And two, I'm a very process-oriented person. I work in operations in a, in a broader sense in the traditional professional world. And so how do you create tangible, actionable, step-by-step guides? It's not about telling you what you should do or why you should do it. It's about showing how. So Stepwise is really trying to solve the how problem, right? And to start at that beginner intermediate level and help people build up a financial foundation and base. And then frankly, get into the really advanced strategic, the things that you probably haven't heard about, the things that um, really can help move the needle on your own achievement of your own personal and financial goals. And, and with all of that recognizing, because I have a background in coaching and psychology and I love all of that space, that you can give people the right information and tools. But if you don't talk about the motivation or the fears or the things that stop people from taking action in the deeper level, you're missing half the picture. So it's, it's an intermix of personal motivation, psychology, behavioral kind of tactics with very tangible, actionable steps. It really came out of, frankly, the fact that you know, I didn't have a lot of this as a kid. I graduated college with student loans and debt. You know, I was fortunate enough to be able to get financial aid and a scholarship to go to college, but I still didn't have the money to cover it because it's incredibly expensive. So I graduated college with you know 30K in student debt. And that's not 200K that many people have. So in some regards, I was super fortunate, but it's not zero either. I wanted to be an educator. I, you know, I've always been passionate about teaching and sharing with others. And so I had offers to be a Spanish high school teacher. And I had one offer to, you know, go be a business consultant, whatever that meant, you know, in Washington, DC. And, you know, that was the thing that was going to help me pay off my student loans. So that's what I did. But what it really meant is I continued to have, you know, more fortune in some ways than most, you know, I'm a privileged white male at the end of the day, I'm comfortable acknowledging that. And so I want to share this knowledge with communities and, and people and, all the, you know, all the different, you know, groups in the world who don't have some of that, but I could ask coworkers questions about this stuff, people who are older than me, people who seem to know these things that I didn't. And so a lot of this is just like, this is kind of an interesting concept. Money in many ways is energy. This gets a little bit of, but money is the ability to do things or to share in the world. I personally am passionate about one learning how money works and sharing that with others so that people feel it is an opportunity rather than a trap or a scary subject. And two, what I'm really passionate about is specifically learning how to gain, earn, and build money so that I can redirect it to things that I think matter in the world. One is education on this, the stepwise. I'm personally funding the entire cost of building out this free resource as a passion project and a community service and way to give back. I'm passionate about, you know, the environment. I'm passionate about creating public space, public parks, you know, people with money and power who can buy homes in nice areas shouldn't be the only people who get to access our mountains and forests and lakes. And so a lot of this is really about recognizing that money is a transfer of energy and things you care in the world. It's a very simplistic way to look at it and giving people the tools to navigate it means more people can help create what they believe will make our society better and help people. So that's really what Stepwise is about. That's the hammer. That is the the conclusion. Like that is spot on and that's super admirable. Where can people find Stepwise and check out these free resources? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. So the the most simple is uh www.stepwisewealth.com. Uh that's the website. That's where all the articles are, the core of it. That's where you can find everything. Um it's got a hub and main pages. You can reach out and ask a question. You know, I'm all about questions. I was 
maybe a little too curious for my own good. You know, I was that guy who was asking HR every single question about 401ks and, you know, benefits at my first job. And so you can always reach out and email me, ask questions, contact me that way. We do have a, a fledgling uh, Instagram account, Stepwise Wealth uh, on Instagram, where I've started to put up some videos and, you know, share some of the infographics and things we've built. Um, so that's another way. And, and lastly, you know, I, I have a personal email, Severon, S-E-A-V-R-O-N at stepwisewealth.com. Email me directly. You know, we're, we're at this stage and scale here where any feedback, conversation, ability to help is, is welcome. You know, the more I hear about what people are thinking about and wondering about, the more I can help put out education and information that helps with that. So uh, those are all good ways. For those of you that have stuck around, follow the show notes within this episode to locate two free value-packed pieces. Number one, a free workbook to create your own financial goals, a simple three-step process, and number two, a free six-step guide on how to save invest and build wealth which includes a free excel tracker for your net worth both of these amazing resources are just a click away in the show notes thanks for listening to the motivated mind with your host scott lynch i hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the psychology of money with severon banus if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at the motivated underscore mind and on Facebook at the motivated mind podcast. Don't forget to join me every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. I love you all and thanks so much for listening. Motivated Mind is a legacy division.